recording in progress. Welcome to Muscle Science for Women. First order of business. Let's talk about Rachel's um, air fryer injury. <laughs> How did this happen? What were you making? What did you do to yourself? Well, it was on a new air fryer that I was using at the Airbnb that I stayed in last weekend. And it was one that I hadn't used before. So I, of course, ended up burning myself, which is just what happens when I use a new. That's bad. Was it like too big and you just kind of didn't see? No, I like I was doing something and I just like touched my arm against Mm. the hot air fryer basket. You were too busy partying um, at oh your party, which I guess we should debrief because we were talking offline and I'm like, start recording because people want to know that Rachel parties and how she feels afterwards. So you just came back from multiple days of a fun mm-hmm. trip, friend trip, party, pool party, extravaganza, sending me lots of fun videos and pictures that we which will, will not, not be uh, put in the public. <laughs> they will not be put in the public eye. I feel very privileged to have seen them. I was definitely, as much as I'm like a tired old lady now, definitely feeling some FOMO. So I'm like, I need to, <laughs> you know, when I get to San Diego, you got to recreate some of these events for me. But anyway, you had a great time. It looked like super mm-hmm. fun, but you were definitely like living a lifestyle that you don't normally live. So you were saying like, you're, you're recovering a little bit right now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I didn't even like, I, I don't drink that much. Uh, I really haven't drank much at all this year and kind of like putting that behind me because I just feel like crap every time I drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, so I did drink a little bit, like very slightly over the weekend, um, but it was more so just like the, uh, a, like my schedule was just completely off. So we were, you know, out till like up till 2 a.m. for three mm-hmm. days straight. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so little sleep was of course what hit me most. Um, and it was just kind of like, go, 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 go all day long. Uh, but I was with all my friends and it was, it was so much fun, but it was definitely not something that I could do like on a regular basis. It, absolutely. Yeah. It's like once a year, th- that's good for me. <laughs> it's like, it's a tale as old as time as you, and I mean, you're younger than I am, but like when you hit an age where you really notice how much harder it is for you to recover from like partying. And to your point, it's not even about getting super drunk or like doing a bunch of drugs or something. It's like literally staying up late in in a social setting. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I I mean the other day, cause you know, I'm on my little, like get fit for the end of the year thing. So I've been eating healthy, but the other day I just, you know, I went off plan for a meal and I ate a lot of sugar (laughs) and I hadn't been eating sugar for like three, four weeks. And I woke up the next morning feeling hungover and that's from eating like chocolate. Okay. So that's how different, but it's, it's about your body being accustomed to a certain way of operating. Right. It's not like my body is the most finely oiled machine, but like when I'm used to sleeping and eating properly and eating good food, and then you don't do that, your body does not react well to it. And when I think about what I put myself through in my like early twenties and how I could rally. And now I think about, I eat yeah. too much chocolate and I'm like, uh, <laughs> the next morning. I mean, that's pretty sad, but it, it's also like, what more incentive do you need to like, to be smart about the indulgences, right. Mm-hmm. And to like, not do it mindlessly. Cause it's not worth it. Sometimes it is. And when it is, you do it and you kind of deal with it. But for the most part, I mean, yeah. it sucks no, too, I- because like, 
having a drink, like having a cocktail, having a drink is nice. Like there are times when I wish, and I still have a cocktail every now and then, but like, I wish I could go out to dinner and like have a glass of wine and then a cocktail after and feel nothing. But I know I'm going to, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to feel That's like how that. I am. That's and how I am. it just sucks. Like, and That's I, because and again, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, because your body, like once you wean off of like the alcohol and stuff like that, like your body, because it's a toxic, like people just don't realize like alcohol is literally a toxin, right? And we're surrounded by toxins and stuff like that. Like shampoo, people can say that's a toxin, like your shampoo you put in your hair and whatever. Um, the air you're breathing around you, like there's toxins everywhere, but like with alcohol, it's literally, there's nothing else, but your body, once you consume it, all your body does is try to get rid of it. And if you're not accustomed to that, it's just like anything else. It's going to be like, what the heck is this? Get it out of me as fast as possible. And you're going to feel like shit. Um, and so that's kind of the, I mean, that's kind of the downside of, of, uh, you know, not drinking alcohol is that when you do, you know, you feel like crap, but there's so many upsides to it that it's like not even like, okay, yeah, once in a while I'll feel like crap versus feeling like crap every single weekend. Right. Um, Well, that's the other thing is like how crazy it is that your body can adjust to certain things. Like I'm not trying to, this is not throwing anybody under the bus, but we all know someone like this, or maybe are this person where you drink a fair bit. Maybe you drink multiple times a week. Maybe you drink, have a glass or two or three every night. I don't know. There's lots of people out there that are like this and your body has become so accustomed to that poison that you could like, I've seen friends of mine drink two bottles of wine in a night and get up the next day, like nothing happened. And I'm like, I would be in the hospital. Like Literally. I would be dying, you know, like it's, um, it's on one hand, it's amazing what our body can do. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like the amount of stress and straight poison you're putting into your body and then forcing yourself to function. It's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, you're right. It's like, it's, it's fun and very measured doses. And, um, it mm-hmm. depends, the dose depends on how yeah. you want to feel and how you want to perform from day to day. But I know for a fact that every decade that you <laughs> are around, you can mess with that stuff less. And yeah, you know. like it's going to catch up eventually, just like everything yeah. else is going to catch up. Um, yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's like, are you, paying attention to it now or are you gonna like regret it later is it's kind of that type of thing yeah but so anyway I'm assuming again like compared to most people you were still like drinking a lot less probably eating a lot better than the average person who like goes on a fun you know debaucherous vacation um yeah I mean one thing oh sorry no go ahead tell me I was gonna say are you about to confess something (laughs) no like I I came back um, cause it was literally just like three days of just like dancing and like hanging out and stuff. So I was like dancing for three days straight and I was like, like burning a ton of energy from that. And it's also like people, you know, food is like there, but it's not really like, Oh, we're going out to dinners and things like that. It wasn't really that vibe. So like, I definitely ate a lot like less than mm. normal. Um, and I like came back and I was like, I, I just, I, I knew the scale was going to be down and it was like the tail end of my fat loss phase. Um, but I like came back and I was three and a half pounds down from like when I left and obviously there's five days or four days in between that. So you can't like go off of that, but that was just like, like definitely probably dehydrated, probably, uh, you know, didn't have enough water electrolytes, all that jazz burned a ton of calories dancing didn't eat enough. So I'm just getting back in it. And I'm like 
finally, like three days later after getting back, I'm like back into my routine, feeling good again, excited to sleep, slept for 10 and a half hours last night. It was amazing. There yeah. is something to be said for dancing as cardio, I will say, because when I was in my younger college years and we were going out all the time, of course, as we do, and I was usually like the designated driver just because I never really liked to drink that mm-hmm. much. And I don't know, I just preferred to be the sober one. And so I'd be dancing five hours a night and not drinking to compensate. And I'm like, I feel like that probably saved me from a lot of weight gain because it's really good exercise. I mean, if you're dancing yeah. straight for hours straight, I'm like, why do we, why do we stop doing that? And then I realized, oh, I have a kid and I'm exhausted, but anyway, <laughs> still open to it, still open to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're done your little mini cut because you were just doing that. So you could look super extra spicy <laughs> in a bikini. Now that you're back, are you like going back into just like maintenance or what are you mm-hmm. doing for now for a little bit? Yeah, I'm just jumping back to maintenance. Um, as I mentioned on the, so like the mini miniature cut um, was about six weeks long and it actually was super successful, like for what I wanted it to be. Um, I didn't really, again, the scale was just like one metric I used. Measurements were dropping. The scale was like, the scale was, I don't know, it dropped in the beginning and then it kind of st- held steady for like the whole rest of the the time until like the last week and then it dropped again. Um, and that's again, why like this shorter time frame, it's hard to use the scale because it's, especially for me, it's not going to just continue to drop every single week. And that's for most fat loss phases. Like you'll have weeks where you're kind of like stalling out and then like, you'll see kind of like a whoosh effect is what they call it. Um, and not, it doesn't happen for everyone, but for, for a good amount of people, especially my clients, I've seen that happen. So that's kind of what happened for me. And then again, it's kind of hard to tell because when I did come back, the other day for my trip, I didn't weigh in for obviously five days and I don't have that data. Plus coming off of a weekend where there was tons of energy expenditure and things like that. Um, kind of taking that super low weigh in <clears throat> with a grain of salt. Um, but I ended up, yeah, it ended up being successful, um, for what I wanted it to be. I felt really, really good in, uh, like the whole weekend felt confident running around with in my bathing suit all weekend, which, I feel like that's one of the first times I've really felt that confident. Um, Another thing I will note though, is that I like my stomach, my lower stomach has always been like my sensitive area or my problem areas. People mention it. And so even though I feel lean and feel good, I still chose to get uh, bathing suits that were like one pieces, but were like kind of like, you know, like a little bit, a little bit showing here and like kind of fancy and things like that. Um, but I felt super confident in that because I wasn't like completely out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my belly was, my lower belly was in. And that was one thing that I was thinking too, like a lot of people, and this is what we talk about with clothing too. It's like, you would like, we we have to kind of bring it back to reality too. And like, if you're someone who uh, is like trying to fit into this pair of jeans that you've had for like 10 years and you just haven't been able to fit into it. And that's like your metric you're using maybe you just need to buy a new pair of jeans or maybe you just need to buy a new bathing suit that you feel a little bit more comfortable in. And it makes the world of difference. Like I, I think that that was a huge piece of it this weekend. It's just, I just bought a bathing suit that I felt a little bit more confident and comfortable in. And so that made everything else just feel so much better because I wasn't like worrying about, Oh, like my little, you know, lower belly pooch hanging out type thing. Right. I was like, Oh, well that's covered up. So I don't care. I feel good. You know, my butt's out, but whatever. Like I like my butt. (laughs) 
I'm cool with my butt, so I'm fine with that being out. I mean, I actually kind of love this. Grow your clothes. (laughs) Yeah, hashtag grow your clothes by the program. Um, (laughs) I think that this is actually kind of like a good point, like something cool to kind of talk about because there is this, again, we talk about this a lot, this sort of like black and white in the like fitness world where there's this like radical body positivity, body acceptance thing where you either hate yourself or you are completely 100% accepting of every single flaw and whatever in your body. And I think very few people are the latter. And if they are, maybe they're trying to just convince themselves of something. I mean, I think if you talk to a hundred women, 99 would say like some degree of, well, I kind of don't like X, Y, Z. Right. And just because you have a little insecurity somewhere doesn't mean that you don't love yourself, value yourself, think you look great. Um, you can't go out and show off and wear something cute. You don't have to be completely naked to prove that you, you know, respect and love your body. And, you know, like, it's just, it doesn't have to be sort of all or nothing. There's nothing wrong with, you're obviously a very fit, lean person. You may, and it may be perceived, it may be real, whatever, but like, you may feel slightly insecure about something. And so you decide to dress around that and it makes you feel better. Great. There's literally nothing wrong with that. Like I was just talking the other day about like, I never ever in the gym wear shorts ever. And I never even consciously thought like, do I not like my legs or do I, am I self-conscious about like my hamstrings or something? And like, that is a weak point for me. Like my, you know, they're just, they're kind of just there. Like I never, I'm not like, I don't hate them. I just sort of like never dressed for them. But I remember like looking back, I'd be like prepping for like bodybuilding competitions. I'd be like 12% body fat, like as lean as I'm going to get. My legs were fine, you know, and I still would wear like tight, long leggings to the gym. Cause I just never, and it's like, it's, and I thought about it. I'm like, am I like, you know, secretly like hating whatever and like hiding it. I'm like, I just feel more comfortable in longer pants. There's nothing. I'm not hiding any scary secrets yeah. here, whatever. I just, it's not my favorite thing. I'll show my shoulders till the day I die. I'm fine with some other things, but like, I just prefer to wear the stuff that I personally feel comfortable in. And I think that that's totally okay and good. And I can vouch having seen again, many pictures from last week. <laughs> you look great. Okay. All of it. Thanks. All of it looks also, great. Yeah. And I will say the same thing. I used to be that way too. I used to like, like I'm not wearing shorts. I, I used to be very, very self-conscious of my legs too. Um, and that has been actually an area where I'm not self-conscious at all really anymore. And I actually like the way my legs look. But it's after literally six plus years of building my legs and Mm -hmm. building muscle in my legs and finally actually having a shape to my legs and getting rid of some of the cellulite that I used to have because I didn't have a lot of muscle there. Um, And that's that that but that came from years of not just losing body fat. It came from actually following a strategic lower body lifting program that changed my lower body. And so now I've gotten to a place where I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling, I I like it. I like how I, I like how my legs look. So I'm like wearing shorts is nothing anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas I remember in high school, I used to, I remember I used to dread the summertime because I used to hate putting shorts on Mm -hmm. like literally. 
I know so, so many people who, who deal with this stuff. And again, I'm like, yeah. I don't think I even care about my, like, I'm very neutral. And that's the other thing too, is I think a lot of people are like, you either have to love or hate it. And I think there's, you know, you see some stuff on social media, about like body neutrality. And it sounds like this sort of like cop out or like sad thing where it's like, well, can't we just work a little harder till we love our body? And it's like, maybe a, a great compromise for people who have struggled with weight issues, struggled with self-esteem issues, whatever, is to take some of the emotion, both good and bad, away from how they feel about their bodies. Because if we are so, this is just a thought, a thought experiment. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but if we expend so much energy always about trying to love our bodies and trying to feel good about our bodies all the time, that is still sort of like a cycle where inevitably, if we do feel less good or wake up bloated one day, or we get on the scale and we don't like it, we're in this tailspin. Whereas if we can, we can maybe aim more towards the neutrality of like, our body is healthy and it's doing things for us and it's here and it's, you know, part of who we are, but not everything, whatever, instead of like always, I love myself at this weight. And then I gained 10 pounds. And now I hate myself. Like let's, you know, the neutrality aspect, I think there's something to be said for it because I do think I've talked about this a ton. And I think you and I have in, in our podcasting and in our coaching, you know, taking some of the emotion away from the process and, and putting more value in like the data, the science, mm -hmm. the information, the consistency, the work, um, there will always be emotion because it's our body and it's how we see ourselves and it's how other people see us. And it's very, it can be a very personal, emotional, intimate thing. But if we can like work towards more of that, just like our body is our body. It's not who we are. It's part of who we are. And we're working on things and we're being consistent and we're working hard and some things we like more than others. And it's not the end of the world. And we move on every day, regardless, you know, like mm -hmm. I kind of, I, I see the value in the sort of neutrality aspect and how we look at ourselves sometimes. Yeah. You know? No, I agree hundred <sighs> percent. All right. Well, this, this, uh, <laughs> uh, it went in a completely different direction than we expected, but it was cool. Um, we've got some questions that some people sent in, and I'm going to bring up the email and we can ask a couple. So some of them are longer. Yeah. I don't know if we'll read them all, but this one, this one's pretty quick. So um, Ashley, nice name, is asking about hydration. She says, hey, you guys, I love the podcast. I've listened to nearly every episode. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Um, I had a bit of an aha moment the other day that I feel like I should have known. I usually work out four to five times a week. And even outside the gym, I'm very active full time. I work full time. I have three kids. She has twins that are three years old. Oh my God, mm -hmm. Ashley, I feel for you. <laughs> I, I drink quite a bit of water, usually at least half a gallon a day. And sometimes I find that my fingers and hands swell, which I thought was from too much sodium. However, I'm thinking about it doing some reading. And I feel like maybe I'm not getting enough electrolytes or salt, and maybe I'm drinking too much plain water. I eat mostly healthy foods cooked at home. Um, and she also said that her last blood work she did, her magnesium was low. So she wants to know our thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, not medical advice. We don't know, but it does kind of sound yeah. like a potential avenue could be you're drinking a lot of water, but if you're not actually replacing the electrolytes, that's going to be a problem. And I think something that a lot of people still don't know 
is if you are eating really healthy, like unprocessed whole foods at home, you need to salt your food Mm -hmm. because you're not getting very much salt at all. Like most of the population is getting too much salt because they're eating crazy processed food. And that's not like the best kind anyway. Um, but if you're eating like a really, really, I mean, one of the biggest issues with people going keto, um, you know, if you're going from like a standard American diet to like going into ketosis and doing like a super hardcore keto diet is this electrolyte imbalance that happens when you cut all your carbs and stuff. And that's why people get this mm-hmm. keto flu thing that everyone dreads where you're getting headaches and, and that's part of it anyway. Um, yeah. but replacing electrolytes is arguably more important than drinking water. I mean, they go hand in hand, but if you're eating whole foods, you're getting plenty of, of water, right? Because fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables and meat are mostly water. Um, so I would say that's probably a pretty likely culprit. I mean, you can't, again, can't take our word for it hundred percent, but what do you yeah. think? No, I agree. I think that like, I, I take in a lot of salt on a daily basis, like mm-hmm. a lot of salt, a lot of a lot like sodium. I mean, I have maybe two plus element packets a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and people think, whoa, that's excessive, but I don't eat anything else. Like I don't eat any Salty. processed, anything that has salt in it. Like you said, it's like, all, if you're eating all whole foods, like single ingredient, whole foods, vegetables, fruit, meat, eggs, like those don't have a ton of sodium, maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, like you need to replenish that. And a lot of people don't realize too, like you said, hydration is not just water. Hydration is not just replenishing your water. Hydration is a combination of water and electrolytes, because if you don't have that balance, you're going to have issues with dehydration, you're going to have issues with electrolyte imbalance in general. And I think that is something that, you know, we can't give you an exact, like, oh, this is the exact amount of salt you need or exact amount of magnesium, potassium, or electrolytes, whatever. It's going to be more of like a test and assess type thing for yourself. Pay attention to how you're feeling, pay attention to like, if symptoms are starting to go away for you. Um, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And then in terms of like magnesium, she mentioned her magnesium was low on blood work. That's where I would also take that with like a grain of salt, because typically you can't really tell from blood work, um, your actual magnesium levels. Um, if you want to, like, if you're super, super concerned and if you've been doing all the things and you still haven't seen improvements and you really want to have like, a you know, an idea of like what your levels are at, that's going to be more of a hair tissue, uh, mineral analysis to actually see what your, uh, what your electrolyte levels are like magnesium, potassium, things like that. Um, but in general, like most people don't need that. It's really just going to be like, okay, let me test consuming a little bit more salt for a period of time. Um, and seeing how that goes, let me test adding in a magnesium supplement, seeing how that goes. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, magnesium is one of the most like widely the deficient, the most people seem the thing, (laughs) the most people tend to be deficient. It's like vitamin D and magnesium are like Mm -hmm. some of the most common deficiencies that we're dealing with. So it's not like it's, it's, you know, crazy or unheard of if you are finding yourself, you know, um, low in magnesium. So, I mean, I would say for a lot of people, if you have the ability and the resources sort of like, you know, the insurance policy of like, take a vitamin D supplement, especially if you live in a place that isn't sunny a lot, like most of us in Canada, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with magnesium. If you can find a good magnesium supplement, you're probably just doing yourself a favor anyway. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And there are tons of different types of magnesium out there and they do have different effects. So you just want to like 
and, and this is as simple as, as Googling the different types of yep. magnesium, um, you know, magnesium glycinate and bisglycinate, same thing. Those are going to be typically the ones that like, I take that at night, you know, to help with relaxation, to help with replenishment, muscle relaxation, things like that. And then like, for example, magnesium citrate, that's going to be one that's more like a laxative. So you want to be careful that you're not just getting any type of magnesium supplement. You want to know like what type of magnesium it is, um, just to be on the safe side there. So just a simple Google search. I mean, mm-hmm. that'll, yep. that'll tell you. All right. Thanks, Ashley. Um, I've got a kind of big case study from another person about cal, like they're wondering about calorie intake. Do you want me to read this one? Um, you want to read there's it? Only, there's only, there's only a couple and they're all kind of like email. I'm like, you know, like, so anyway, I'll read it and then we read can it or summarize it. I'll do my best to summarize it. It's a very big paragraph. So I'm going to Sorry, do I best. don't have it pulled up on my end. No, it's okay. It's okay. Just listen and answer. Okay, listen. <laughs> um, this is also by Ashley. So I guess it's the answering the Ashley's today. There's a lot of Ashley's asking us questions. I appreciate you community of Ashley's. None of them spell it like me, which is unfortunate, but you guys are cool. Anyway. Special. Mine special. Okay. Ashley asks, she's saying, I was listening to your episode about plateaus. I'm kind of stuck on what path I should take since my weight has not budged in about six to eight months. I started dieting last year, lost 20 plus pounds on fentermine, which I looked up and is a medicine that um, assists with weight loss because it basically lowers your appetite. I think that's something that's increasingly common these days. Um, she also worked out. She walked every day. She lost 25 pounds in six months. She stopped taking the medication and ate more normal, whatever that means, because it was around the holidays. I gained some weight back, but I was still working out and eating decently. Um, I was able to keep off the majority of the weight I lost. Um, I wasn't tracking, so it was hard to say what calorie amount I was eating. So, okay, we can say a lot about that. Then I took a diet break from January to May. I didn't gain a bunch of extra weight, but I did want to lose more. So I started a weightlifting program four days a week, kept walking a couple miles um, a day, It's been four months and not much has changed on the scale. So she basically feels like she's the same, except she has sore muscles now. So this makes me think I'm in a maintenance period now. Um, Made me think I was in maintenance since I dieted so long. Um, I'm wondering if I'm having metabolic adaptation or if it's just that I need to pay more attention to um, my calories again. She's saying I do prioritize protein. I aim for 150 grams. Um, Okay. And then she's basically saying, I still weigh my foods and meal prep during the week, but I kind of do what I want on the weekends. My husband made the comment that I'm way too active to not see changes in my body composition. And she says she agrees. And she's saying she's 5'7", 178 pounds. The DEXA said she was 38% body fat. So she's saying, I want to lose muscle and put on fat at this, or I want to lose fat and put on muscle at the same time. Classic. I can direct you to a couple podcast episodes about that. Um, but she wants to lose the fat first if that's the priority. So she's saying, do I continue to eat in a deficit? Should I track my weekends more closely? Um, do I up my body, my activity level? What do I do? So that was kind of, she long... said five, 738 pounds, five, seven. No, no. She said five, seven, 178. And the Dexa said okay. she was 38 pounds, 38% body fat. Okay. So it basically sounds like she you know, she took this medication, she lost a bunch of weight, she started getting some good eating habits and exercise, she stopped the medication, she stopped kind of paying attention to the eating, and sort of tried to like, kind of live a moderate maintenance thing. um, Mm. And then wanted to continue the fat loss, 
but now she's feeling like she's working hard and sort of nothing's really happening. So, yeah. Um, so it sounds like she's based off of the data that we've gotten. It sounds like she's probably been at maintenance for she's physiologically probably been at maintenance for a while. Psychologically, she's probably felt as if she's been in and out of a deficit for a mm -hmm. bit. Um, mm -hmm. And when I say psychologically, I mean, like you're feeling like you're eating less, you are feeling like you're restricting because that's what you're doing during the week, but then letting loose on the weekends. So by the end of the week, it's probably balancing out, especially if we're not seeing things moving over months, periods of time. Um, that's one scenario. Not that it's that's bad. It also could be that she is, especially if we're looking at just the scale, it could be that she started lifting more regularly. So she is getting some body recomposition that's happening, but we also have to realize that body recomposition happens a lot slower than if you were go if you were in a dedicated fat loss phase um, or a dedicated building phase, for example. So um, those are probably just based off of everything you said, the scenarios that I feel like she's been in recently. Um, and so I think just the simple fact is that if you do want to lose body fat and get back into that, especially in, you know, doing it now that you're not on that medication, um, it definitely is probably going to take tracking more just so that you have the data. And it's really just understanding that tracking your food throughout the week and the weekend, it's, it's giving you the concrete facts, right? Versus how you're feeling versus the gray areas. It's like, you know, going on a road trip and not having a map. You're just kind of going in all these different directions. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. Maybe it'll take you X amount of time. You don't know because you don't have the directions, right? You're just kind of going versus if you had directions and that's where those tracking and things like that came into play, you know, you know, you have a better idea, right? You're, you have guidance, you have more awareness of where you're at. Um, and that's really just how I like to, to think about it. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. What about you? I agree. I mean, we as human beings are pretty bad at guesstimating how much we're eating. <laughs> we're mm -hmm. really bad because, and I mean, I get why, like, it's very, it's, it's, really hard even when you're tracking it's really hard to like know exactly that's why tracking is important more for consistency than like a hundred percent accuracy necessarily but you know what people don't get about the whole like 80 20 rule or the like eat well on the weekends and then bad on the week or eat well during the week and bad on the weekends is like you can just undo everything so easily like it's especially if you're trying to lose fat and you have to pay attention to overall energy intake and especially if you're a, a woman, a smaller person, you're not like a big giant muscle bound linebacker or something who's just burning through calories. You know, if you eat 1800 calories a day, Monday through Friday, and then 3,500 calories both days on the weekend, guess what your average is? It's a lot higher than 1800. You know, that's mm -hmm. just what it is. Cause it's over time. It's not how well you eat today. It's how consistently you eat over weeks and months and months. So, mm -hmm. um, it sucks because I know people want breaks. They want like mental breaks. They want to not have to do that. Um, and I feel for people and I have clients that I feel I, I get where they're coming from. Cause it's like, for a lot of people, it is for every person who finds tracking really 
comforting and a, a, a method of like sort of control and understanding. There are people who are like, oh, I just don't want to mm -hmm. do this every day for months. Um, but the reality is it is one of the most effective and easiest like personal ways that you can really be yeah. aware and pay attention to what you're putting into your yeah. body, you know? So and yeah. And that's also why you shouldn't be trying to diet for All the whole the year straight. You have to take a phasic approach and phasic meaning you have to plan out your year. You have to have a periodization plan. And this is like, this is what, you know, any person, I just had another person come into the flex fam. Like this is the first thing we do. It's like, you learn what the different phases are. You learn the periodization, you plan out your next year, two years, and you reverse engineer it. And you are not in a fat loss phase. You are not dieting for the majority of that year. Yeah. You are learning how to diet for a period of time, which is that's where we're tracking heavily and we're paying attention to that. We're getting really uncomfortable because it's, it's uncomfortable. And then you go into maintenance and you learn how to now function at maintenance after you've accomplished some of that body fat loss. And at maintenance is the time where you don't necessarily have to be tracking all the time. You get to a place where you can just continue the habits that you built and like go about your life, but it's not a time to just like go crazy, of course, because then you're just going to end up where you were. Um, but you have to kind of know like, okay, what phase am I in? What stage am I in? And like, that is the, that's the reality, especially she mentioned, like my husband said, she said, my husband said I should be like more, what did he say? Like a body composition change with based on all the activity. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing too. Like it's, if you're doing a ton of activity and you're still not like, you're not tracking your food, you're not necessarily, you know, paying attention too much to that. Your body is going to inadvertently want you to eat more. If you're burning mm -hmm. more calories, you're, you're using up more energy. It's going to say, Hey, give me more energy. And so you're going to be consuming more energy. Even if you don't necessarily think you are mm -hmm. there's, there, it's going to find a way to do it. It's going to mm -hmm. find a way. And that might be restriction Monday through Friday. And then on the weekend, it it catches up to you and it yeah. absolutely can. It's super easy to consume 4,000 calories on a, on one day. Plus Take it from if us. you really wanted to. <laughs> I, this is something I was thinking last weekend. Like I was actually, uh, I never eat like trail mix or anything anymore. Mm -hmm. Like nuts that much nuts and seeds. Cause not that they're bad for you, but like, I can't moderate that because it's like, I get this tiny little thing in my hand that's like 200 calories that does not satisfy me. So I don't have like, I have nut butter, but I use it very strategically and I have to measure it out and I use it very little. And I've, I've gotten used to that. I put it like on my squash and I measure it out, mm -hmm. but like trail mix and things like that, having that in the pantry or something, I cannot do that because I had that this weekend. And those were, that was actually what I was snacking on. I'm pretty sure that kept me above water, so to speak in calories. Mm -hmm. It's like I had, a, I was snacking on a bunch of trail mix. Um, first of all, it's just, pure fat, like maybe a tiny bit of protein and a tiny bit of carbs, but that adds up so fast. Like you could have a handful, just literally a handful of trail mix and eat 500 calories in less than a minute if you really wanted to and not even realize it. It's, it's crazy. This is a really timely, weird, full circle moment, because let me tell you, beginning of our conversation, when I was like, you know how I'm supposed to be dieting, but then I like went off the rails the other day, guess what it was? It was effing peanut butter cup trail mix. And let me explain to you how that came into my house. Okay. I went grocery shopping 
with my family and we were getting some healthy groceries, no big deal. We get home and yes, this is our fault, but still I get home and there is a giant, giant thing of peanut butter lovers trail mix in our bag. Oh my God. Peanut butter cups, peanut butter chips, all this stuff. And I was like, so first of all, my husband is allergic to peanut butter. So I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I thought like he, maybe he bought it by accident because we have friends coming over and he wanted some like normal people, weird food, like delicious food in the house. Cause we don't ever have normal people food in the house. Yeah. And he was like, I thought you put that in there. I didn't put that in there. Magnus was just wandering around the grocery store, just putting stuff in our cart. He put, we found figs that we also didn't buy. There was another thing that he put in there, but like, this was oh us like God. just quickly going through the like checkout, like not paying attention to what was in the car. Like, this was obviously our fault, but I'm like, somehow we just came home with like a pound of peanut butter cup trail mix. And so I'm like, Oh God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I opened it and I ate a ton of it. And then I threw the rest out, which again, so anybody listening health coach here, person who knows better person who is actively working to like eat strictly and pay attention to what they're eating some peanut butter cups came into my house and I just went ape shit on them. Okay. So this is, you know, don't feel bad about yourself. Right. And so at least I managed to like, I still, I do feel a little bit guilty about it again, not because eating peanut butter cups is bad. Not because I think I got fat from eating them yesterday, but because I know better and I could have not opened it. I could have, but I didn't, you know? And I'm just like, why did I do that? I have this goal. Why did I do that? I can eat peanut butter cups anytime I want. And I still did it because the pull is so strong, you know? So anyway, I threw the rest out at least, but I definitely like went way the hell over my, my calories yesterday. And then I felt kind of crappy. I physically felt crappy, not even like emotionally or mentally. So trail mix is the root of all evil. (laughs) It's so bad. No, it's, it's a sweet and it has salty, a, oh crunchy, all in one. And you're just it's like, so good. I, I so did. Good. So that's the thing. I bought, I bought a whole bag from Trader Joe's uh, of one of, it was like the, it wasn't peanut butter cup, but it was like toffee, chocolate white chocolate. Oh, yeah. Like uh, peanuts, whatever. The whole thing. I don't even remember what it's called so to good. bring, to bring for snacks for other people. And I wasn't even planning to eat it. And then it was there. And I was like, oh, well, I, I never That's eat this. It... And it's really freaking good. So I'm just going to yeah. eat it. But yeah, so it was, it's thrown out. Of, like not thrown yeah. out. It was pretty much all consumed. Not by me, by, by, <laughs> well, so, probably half by me. But anyway, <laughs> moral of the story, trail if mix. you're eating a ton of nuts and trail mix and you're trying to lose body fat and it's not going and good you're luck. wondering why, if you're not measuring that out, it's just like the nut butters. Like you measure out a tablespoon of peanut butter and go cry in the corner because yeah. you're going to realize yeah. that you have not been consuming a tablespoon of hundred percent. Yeah. You see those things on social media that are like, this is what an actual serving of, of, um, you know, nut butter is this is what an actual serving of wine is yes. like people are, people have wine glasses that are like four servings of wine in a wine glass. Yeah. Like serving sizes are depressing. AF. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very sad. That's like, a really I, interesting I thought, full circle. Sorry. No, I'm just, yeah, it's it funny really how these things come back. And anyway, yeah. I was just going to say like, Alex. I don't think I could ever make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich ever again in my life because be so the amount of peanut butter that you would have to like use for like yeah. two tablespoons, like a serving, like it wouldn't even cover the bread. Well, there's a reason why peanut butter sandwiches are really I mean, don't get mad at me here, listeners, but they're for children. They're for young people. 
because young people can get away with four tablespoons of peanut butter because they're six and their metabolism is crazy and they, and run they need a lot of calories 20, and they're yeah. running around constantly. So anyway, yeah. um, okay. Yeah. So thank you, Ashley, for that. I definitely think like to summarize, it does sound like, um, yeah, if you, if your main goal here, it seems to be is to lose fat again, it's just getting back on that real mindfulness train, knowing that, you know, unfortunately five out of seven days a week of paying mm-hmm. attention just kind of probably isn't going to cut it. If you're really trying to lose fat. Yeah. And, you know, we've said in previous, previous podcasts, it doesn't mean you have to be a million percent perfect and you have to eat 1100 calories a day. We actively don't want you to do that. It just means that like you need to pay attention and be mindful and be consistent. Yeah. And, and have a timeline mm-hmm. and hire a coach. If you need help, like if you've been doing this, spinning your wheels for the last five, six months and you haven't seen any progress, it's probably because you don't have enough accountability. You don't have a strategy. You don't have a plan. And like, that's what we do. That's why we have our own coaches. Like going about this alone is makes it, I promise you a thousand times harder. And you could get to your goal so much faster. If you just had a little bit of guidance, a little bit of accountability, like it goes so far. So Mm -hmm. we'll plug, but I mean, it's the truth. Yep. Um, just another quick, uh, cause I do like kind of shouting out the people who actually take the time to send us messages and stuff. Someone, this person with a very interesting name, her name is Tesla. Oh, like the car, I think maybe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but, um, she says, I know you hear this all the time, but I absolutely love your podcast. We could never hear it enough. Okay. So feel free to send us messages, about how much you love the podcast. Um, she's saying I'm getting into the personal training space. I've learned so much and appreciate all the knowledge and information you share. You two have changed the way I think and see different things in the fitness space. And I love to share your podcast and what I've learned with others. That's awesome. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Um, she is basically responding to remember our TMI period podcast Mm -hmm. that we just out of the blue decided to like get really real about periods. And, uh, she said she really enjoyed it. And she, she said she wanted to share, cause we asked like, share what kind of stuff you guys mm-hmm. use. If you find something that's awesome. And she says she uses a cup too. She got the be free brand when she was visiting the States. I guess she's Canadian. They don't ship to Canada classic. Um, but it's medical grade silicone and mm-hmm. it's naturally antibacterial. She says it's really good. She's also mentioning a great resource about menstrual cups is period Nirvana. I have not checked this out yet but it's how Mm -hmm. I learned most of what I know about menstrual cups and made them so much less daunting. So anybody who's interested um, can go check that out, but thank you for your feedback. Anybody else who has any period stuff that they want to put on live, not live, but on, on podcast, (laughs) you can send it to us and we will share the resources with others. We should do a live one. Right. Live. A live, a live podcast. Why not? I used way back in the day with someone else. We used to do live podcasts. There was like a different platform. It was like through Facebook or something, which I never want to do again, but it was like the idea is that people can actually like listen in and ask questions in real time. It kind of makes it slightly. Yeah. I'd be down. I mean, we kind of did like that with our zoom. Uh, we did like a zoom session, but yeah, we could do those again too. Maybe that's another thing. It's, it's about time we ask our Listeners, you know, you've got muscle science for women, best strength training program out there, period, mm-hmm. nothing better. You've got grow your glutes in case that's something you want to work on. Um, 
but we're open to more feedback. We were doing these, yeah, these like sort of webinars. Um, we're looking at doing more kind of smaller, specific body parts, specific training programs. Um, if there's something that you would like the muscle science for women, women to work on for you, provide a resource for you, um, let us know. You can email us at muscle science for women. That's the number four at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Just with feedback, thoughts, suggestions, things that you're thinking of, things that you think could help more women in the fitness and wellness space. We're always open to hearing about it. Speaking, um, yeah, I know you're about to be like, can we go? But no, no, speaking great. of grow Listen. your glutes, Gash yeah. is like, I gotta go. Like, bye. No, no, I'm just kidding. Speaking of, of growing your glutes, you do you 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 decide you do want to show everyone the pictures from from the oh, week? No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I have glutes. a question. Uh, that I forgot that I got an email about Ooh. from someone who just purchased our Grow Your Glutes program. And so I now am going to read you a question and this will be our last one. Okay. Um, and you let me know what you think. So this is from, I think it's pronounced Lala, which I love that name. Very um, cute. So she emailed me. She said, hi, Rachel. I purchased uh, your, you and Ashley's Grow Your Glutes program just a few days ago. I'm pretty Yay. experienced in strength and resistance training and still felt your program kicked my butt, which is amazing. Nice. She said my favorite slash hated one was the Tabata eight rounds, uh, glute finisher. That mm. one sucks in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. she goes, my butt is literally on fire. So thank you for that. She said, I have a question, which you guys are welcome to air on your podcast or answer here or airing on a podcast. <laughs> I have a lateral pelvic tilt. It's more visible on the x-ray than to a naked eye, but because I have been lifting heavy, I started noticing preference I'm giving to one side over the other. Mm. Um, is This is why I went to a chiropractor and had x-rays taken and they confirmed this. She said, by the way, for context, I have two kids. I am 5'1 and 111 pounds. So my doctor believes that pregnancy may have caused the tilt because I'm petite. My strength training journey started about three years ago. I used to be skin and bones naturally, and I wanted to get stronger, be stronger and look stronger. So I fight for every pound I gain and retain because I'm such a hard gainer. And then she, this is lastly, she said, my question is who can help me design certain exercises that help me improve the pelvic tilt while, while my chiropractor is adjusting me. I definitely don't want to go to my general practitioner because honestly, doctors don't even understand these things these days. They look at my mm. markers and say, you're healthy next. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure if this is a physical therapist that I need to see, a personal trainer that specializes in like this or some other specialist. She said, thanks in advance for your help. I love your podcast. I listen to it while I lift. Hell love yeah. it. I'm 99% sure I also have a lateral pelvic tilt. And I would guess that a lot of people do. I would mm -hmm. think that like, it's really about degrees. Cause I mean, we all know that pretty much all of us have like one leg that's a little bit longer than the other. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of imbalanced in a lot of different ways, but it's really when it gets to the point where it's causing you sort of like chronic pain and issues and injury, that's when it really starts to become a thing. And I actually think that it may have contributed to some of my issues in pregnancy too, um, which I talk about in uh, a couple of my podcasts way back when I was talking about my pregnancy journey and the um, pubic symphysis dysfunction that I had, which was basically just like excruciating groin pain whenever I moved because my pelvis was like opening, which it does when you get super pregnant and it like re all the relaxing hormones and everything kind of relaxes your joints. But if it's like unstable or like misaligned, it causes like a ton of pain. Um, so I'm, 
I'm wondering if she had some of these issues during her pregnancies as well. And being small and having to like walk around with a giant watermelon um, doesn't help. Um, yeah. So I feel for you, but I mean, I don't know. I would, I would say that a physiotherapist would probably be a good place to start. I mean, again, and I have such like fraught feelings about physios because I just feel like I have not had a lot of success personally finding one who has been able to like get to the root cause of my, my various problems, but that's where like the work and the, you got to like keep at it until you find somebody mm-hmm. that you think can like is knowledgeable enough, maybe who specializes in these things. I mean, even for her, if she's feeling like she has pregnancy related issues, um, like a pelvic floor, uh, therapist, like, you know, like a specialist, a physio who specializes in postpartum women might be a good place to start. Um, but chances are, I mean, she probably had it before pregnancy and maybe just the pregnancies made it worse or made it kind of mm-hmm. manifest in different ways. So yeah, I mean, I would say physio, right? Yeah. Same physio or like a good physical therapist. It's going to be mm-hmm. definitely one of those things where they probably, they have to have like more of like a hands-on. Um, I mean, chiropractor yeah. should be able, it depends what your chiropractor is trained in. Um, but they should be able to kind of help you to see the differences on different sides and things like that. Um, and then just from like a standpoint of exercises, I personally would say, um, like trying to work in more unilateral stuff just so that you can start to feel the differences in the sides, right? You'll start to be able to see and feel the differences in like what side's a little bit weaker than the other. And maybe that can contribute. Like if you have one side, that's, um, like stronger than the other side that can cause some, some things to shift a little bit. So doing some unilateral stuff to try to see the differences and like actually take note of that and see how that's improving. Um, that would be one thing, but in terms of like specific movements, um, that's going to be where you have to kind of go to someone who can, who specializes in, in that. Yep. Honestly. Yep. Let us know if you find somebody and if they're good and it is fixed because I am still over here struggling. I've like, you know, my shoulder issue. I saw a physio, like, yeah. I know I didn't see them like a lot of times, but I'm just like, I'm trying all these things that everyone is like, I immediately noticed relief. And I'm like, Nope. The only thing mm-hmm. that I have found relief in my shoulder impingement, like this, this issue that I'm having is spending like a solid five to seven minutes, like intensely lacrosse ball, like, mm-hmm. you know, working the probably major adhesions and knots and messed up issues in my shoulder that are probably just from like poor movement mechanics on this side. And I'm like, okay, but how do I fix the mechanics then? Like, I don't, yeah. I've just been like trying to put my, my shoulders always going like this. If you're watching yeah. on YouTube, you can see my beautiful shoulder doing this, but like, I'm always going, eh. I'm always pushing it forward. So I'm literally all day, every day going like, like, yeah, you know, retracting my shoulder because I just know I'm constantly like hunched up. Like I know so many people are, um, but I do yeah. feel like the unilateral stuff, which I've been focusing on a lot more ever since we really, maybe a little bit before, but since we, we released the grow your glutes and I've been like following that program a lot more, um, intensely mm-hmm. and doing just a lot of unilateral, unilateral stuff. I have noticed a improvement in my, um, imbalances. So, and I mean, that's good for everybody. I don't see why anybody wouldn't. Oh yeah. It's going to make you stronger. Like, yeah. And just, yeah. And slowing down a little bit too, and really paying attention to like, obviously in increasing the weights and things like that is important over time, but maybe you take a step back and you just really make sure that you're feeling 
your muscles working a bit more and like spending some time there, especially on the unilateral work. And then like, mm-hmm. for me, I suffered with a lot of low back stuff for a while and I've been knock on wood really, really good for the past. Like, I can't even remember how many months. And I went to a massage therapist, um, who, helped me to point out some things that I was just doing that he could see me doing on a regular basis, which I mentioned this one thing where I used to always lean to my left side and like literally Mm -hmm. standing there talking to him. He could see me. He's like, you're Mm -hmm. literally putting all of your weight on your left foot. And that never occurred to me. And so now since then I got, like, I went to him once a week for a really long time. He really helped like loosen things up. Like you were saying with the Mm -hmm. like tension, all that, which absolutely helps. But now every time I'm like, just standing in between exercises or like right now on the podcast, I'm making sure that like I, every single day I get more and more conscious about where I'm putting my weight and trying to like stay even on my feet versus leaning mm-hmm. to my left side. I used to always have my foot up on my chair, like my right foot up on my chair while I recorded. Cause that was just comfortable. And now mm-hmm. I like consciously, if I feel myself doing that, I'm like, stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but that took a lot of time. Like it takes time and patience to like, like you said, with your shoulder to like continuously yeah. notice that. Um, so yeah, those are just a few things. It's hard. Like I even notice it's crazy. Magnus who anybody who's seen a toddler squat and it's just like, Oh my God, these toddlers have the most perfect, smooth, amazing, deep squats ever. And of course he moves well because he has not lived long enough to have aches and pains like the rest of us. But I'll notice like, even when he climbs a ladder, like he'll be at the playground climbing a ladder and he will literally step up with the same foot every time. And I'm noticing, I'm like, Oh boy, what's happening here. You know, like, why doesn't he want to use the other one? And there's nothing, again, he walks fine. He runs around. Like there's nothing quote unquote wrong right now, but there's something going on that's making him favor or prefer to move in this repetitive way that isn't balanced, you know? So it's like Mm -hmm. things you notice even very early on, it's because we are all born with like, even if at the beginning, it's very minor, like imbalances, we are not perfectly symmetrical beings. Right. So like yeah. the more you can pay attention to these things and try to offset it, it's, it seems like it would be impossible, but it isn't like to your point, the standing thing, like me, I've been doing this for like th- two or three weeks. And I've noticed that I do, I'm, I'm not bunching my shoulders as much. Like I am kind of, it, you can rewire yourself if you yeah. put a lot of effort and attention into it. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, cool. friend. Well, this is great catch up. Don't burn yourself yeah. on any more air fryers between now and our next call. I'll try not to uh, binge any more trail mix. (laughs) It's the worst. Honestly, Uh, trail mix and cereal in the house is like, I will never get it out of here. Yeah. No, get it all out. Out. All right. On that note, everybody, thanks for listening as always. Um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Don't be insane or what? What Don't do stupid shit. Don't Don't do do stupid stupid shit. shit. Don't be insane. Bye.